Let's bow our heads and pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you, God, for your love. We thank you for this day you've given to us and for the freedom to worship you in this country and for this conference where service to you is being emphasized. I ask you today, God, as my Father, and in the name of Jesus, my brother, put your words in my mouth, put your spirit in my heart. Bless everyone listening, I pray, but bless not only us, bless the sessions run by other speakers, that everywhere something is going on, your name may be lifted up and your people blessed. I offer this prayer from my heart. In Jesus' name, let God's people say, Amen and Amen. My presentations will be on the subject of what? Personal excellence, or you can just say excellence. Excellence is a spiritual quality. Now, we tend to reserve religion and religious behavior to Sabbath, to church. Spirituality is not something you do on Sabbath. Spirituality is a way of life so that everything you do is an expression of who you are. Ellen White says business and religion are the same thing. Education and religion are the same thing. Recreation and religion are the same thing. And we need to understand that now. Excellence. Go with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. I usually ask for three favors. Let me tell you what they are while you're looking for Ecclesiastes. Favor number one, if you have one of these, let me set the example. Please turn it off. But in this small session, if you need it for Ellen White's writings or something, you may keep it on. But you don't need sound. Are you with me? And don't go to WhatsApp. And don't go to, uh, what's the other thing? Facebook. And where else? And uh, Snapchat. And uh, there's one in China called WeChat. Well, don't go to any of those things. You know, that's the reason why I always say bring a Bible. You see, when you open this, there's no WhatsApp. Are you listening to me? The devil is very clever. He'll tell you, but you have the Bible. But you also have WhatsApp. You have email. You have a Viber. You have whatever. Skype. When you open this, what do you have? The Bible. So that you do not have the temptation to text. When you open this, except the Bible text. When you have this, you are surrounded by temptation. That's why I plead with people of all ages, use this. You know, when God described Job, he said to the devil, Has thou considered my servant Job? There's none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man. Now here's what God says. One that feareth God and escheweth evil. Give me a word for eschew. Avoid. One of the best ways to resist sin is to avoid it. That's why I say, use this, it has no WhatsApp on it. What book did I say? What chapter? What verse? 10. Who has the King James Version? May I see your hands? All right, someone with the King James Version, read that verse for us, nice and loud. Stand to your feet so the camera can catch you and make you a superstar. And read Ecclesiastes 9, verse 10. Who will stand with courage and read for Jesus? Some good-looking people stand up and read for Jesus. Ah, here's a good-looking man. God bless you for being confident. All right. Ecclesiastes 9.10. Whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Do it with thy might. Stop. No, I said stop. <laughs> stop, stop, stop. <laughs> stop. S-T-O-P-E, stop. That's stoppy. Okay. The Bible says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do. Let's think. 
What does the word whatsoever exclude? Nothing. What does it include? Everything. Now, because we're Christians, it includes everything that's good. The verse does not mean if you're robbing a bank, do it with all your heart. Are you with me? It does not mean commit some moral act with all your heart. Surely it means the things that please God. Now, whatsoever you do, or whatsoever your hand findeth to do, what's the biblical command? Come on, my brother. Pop back up. What's your name? Peter. A good Bible name. Now read the whole verse, brother Peter. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy why? The verse will tell you. Finish it. It will tell you. For there's no, uh-huh, no device. Go on. No wisdom in the grave. Thank you, Brother Peter. God bless you. Are you married, Peter? You married? You don't have a wife? Oh, sorry. May the Lord give you a wife who can cook. All right. Now, the Bible says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do. Now, who is working? Anyone working? What work do you do? Your office work. The Bible says to you, do your office work. How? With your might. Now that's not a recommendation from the Bible. That's a command. The Bible commands us to do our best. How often? Come on, how often? All the time. Who else works? We have an office expert. My handsome brother, what do you do? You raise your hands, the man with the beard. You're a music teacher. What kind of music teacher should you be? What? Yes, but what kind of music teacher should you be? Based on that Bible verse. <laughs> All right, let me help you. You should teach music with your might. It doesn't mean you must be a better teacher than some other music teacher. It means you must be the best music teacher you can be. Whatsoever. Who's in school? Only two, no, no one in school on this. Okay. You're in school? College? How many are you in college? Okay, college. Okay, hands down. High school. High school. Elementary school. Kindergarten. Or, okay, okay. Whatever's, whatever your level of learning, listen to me carefully. This is a command from God. The Bible says, do it with all your heart or your might. Now, God gives a philosophical reason. God always has a reason, whether he tells you or not. In this verse, he gives the reason. Here is the reason. You read the second half of the verse. Stand up nice and tall. What's your name? Joseph is a good Bible name. What was the name of Joseph's wife? You don't know. Mary. All right. Read the second part of the verse. For there's no... Uh-huh. No device. No knowledge. No wisdom. Ah, in the grave. Finish the verse whither thou goest. Thank you, Brother Joseph. God bless you. Now, here is the philosophy. The Bible is saying, you are headed where? To the grave. On that journey, do the best you can, because the grave marks the end, and you will not have another chance. To go and live your life again. And make it a superior life. And so God says, your life is the only opportunity you have to do your best. In other words, this life is not a rehearsal. This is it. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge nor wisdom in the grave when you are dead that is the end of your opportunity to live a life of excellence now the word whatsoever means if you're a mother 
You must try to be the best mother you can be. Your father, your office worker, your music teacher, your college student, you are a janitor, you are a deacon, you are the pastor, you're the conference president, you are an auditor, you are an accountant. Which means if you listen to Pastor Ramden's call to give full service to God, you can give full service to God while being a lawyer. Are you with me? You can give full service to God while being a dentist. Everyone does not have to be a pastor or a culporter or a Bible worker or some medical missionary. Whatever line of service you are in, you are required by God to do your best. That is spiritual behavior as much as praying and singing hymns. Expressing. Ex listen to God. Now, how were we made? Genesis 1.26 says what? In, and God said... Let us make man, how? After our image. Let's see something about God's image. Go to Genesis 1. Genesis 1, our subject today is just excellence as a general concept. Genesis 1, let's learn something about God. We go to uh, verse 31 of Genesis 1. The Bible says, and God saw what? Everything that he had made. Now listen to Ecclesiastes 9.10. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do. That is the same thing as everything God had made. Now. And God saw. What do you mean by saw? What do you understand by saw? Does it literally mean using the eyes? What do you think is meant by saw? You know, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. What did God do? He evaluated. He assessed. He examined. And he concluded the light was good. Now, Genesis 1.31. Someone read Forest Nights Aloud wherever you are. Anyone. And God saw what? Everything that he had made. Finish the verse. And behold, it was what? Now stop. In other words, based on that verse, what conclusion can you draw about the way God works? Come on, talk to me. It may not be your culture, but break your culture today. What conclusion can you draw about the way God works based on Genesis 131? God works with excellence. How many things does God do excellently? Everything. Now, Genesis 1.26 says, And God said, Let us make man how? In our image. If you are in God's image, how should you work? Excellently. Then if you are working sloppily, hmm? I'm about to make a very serious statement. The universe has two standards. What are the two? And they are wrapped up in two individuals. Name the first one. God. Name the other one. Satan. The Bible is a book of opposites. You either follow God or Satan. God's way is excellence. 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, God is not the author of confusion. Then if he is not the author of confusion, and there is confusion, who is the author of confusion? Yes, you must always answer with confidence even when you're wrong. Are you with me? Always speak with boldness even when you're wrong. God is not the author of confusion, but there is confusion. Then who is the author of confusion? What's your conclusion? Satan now. God is the originator of excellence. God is the first person in the Bible to work. Mm -hmm. when you read Genesis 1-1 in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth that was work because in Genesis 2 verse 1 the Bible says thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them verse 2 and on the seventh day God ended his work creation was work that is what God rested from 
And how does God describe his work? And God saw everything that he had made. God saw his work. And behold, finish the verse. It was very good. What am I saying? God made us in his image. Therefore, when we work, what should God look down and say? Very good. That is a reflection of God's image. Are you following me? Or are you sleeping? Let me say it again. Excellence in work is a reflection of the glory and the character of God. Because that's how God worked. You go through Genesis 1 from verse 3. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light. And it was good. Hmm? God saw it. It was good. Saw it. It was good. All the way down in verse 31, he sums it all up. Everything was very good. Very important principle to take with you. Excellence in what you do is divine behavior. One way to behave like God is to do the best in what you do. That's service to God. Let me say it again. You're quiet. You have a quiet disposition. So I'm not sure if you're following me or not. I'm accustomed to churches where people talk back to you. They shout and jump and do all kinds of things. But you just sit quietly like gravestones, so I'm not sure what's going on. I said, excellence in behavior, in action, in work, is an expression of divine behavior. All right. What does God expect of his people? Does he have a higher expectation for you than for the unbeliever? Let's go to Matthew 5. Our subject, we're just looking at excellence as an idea, as a quality. Matthew 5. I'm delighted to see those of you taking notes. You know, God is a God who writes. How many times did he speak the Ten Commandments? How many times? Come on, you're too slow. How many times? Once. How many times did he write them? Twice. So God is a God who writes. When the Pharisees brought that woman taken in adultery and Jesus bent down, what did he do? He wrote. God loves to write. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 3, God writes his law on our hearts through the Holy Spirit. He writes. That's what 2 Corinthians 3 3 says. All right. What book did I say? Matthew, what chapter? 5, reading from verse 46. I want a young lady to stand gracefully and read Matthew 5, 46. For if ye love them, who will stand and read? Yes, my sister, stand up. What's your name? Melody's a good name, musical name. Okay, but the teacher here is a musical student. Her name is Melody. All right. Read Matthew 5, 46. What does it say? Nice and loud. Which love you? Mm -hmm. What reward have ye? Do not even the publicans. The, yes, sit now. God bless you, Melody. I want to ask if you're married. God bless you, Sister Melody. Listen to Jesus. If ye love them, which love you? Hmm? What reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same. Jesus is saying the unbeliever does the same thing. You have to do something higher. Melody, you may stay seated. Read verse 47. And if ye salute, you can stand, it's okay. And if ye salute, uh-huh, what do ye more than others? Do not the publicans so? Thank you, my good sister. Jesus is saying, if you like those who like you, you are functioning at the level of the unbeliever, at the level of the heathen. And Jesus says, I want you to function where? At a higher level of excellence. I want you, notice how verse 48, read verse 48 nice and loud, you all know it. Be therefore perfect. Keep reading. Even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. Now, 
We're talking about excellence. This is a remarkable standard. Christ is telling us, because the disciples are dead, we need those words. We must be or function in such a way that we do everything we can within our human capability as God does everything he can within his divine capability. Be ye therefore perfect. Perfection for the believer requires that the believer function at a higher level than the unbeliever. Now what do I mean by a higher level? Let's go to Mark 14. We shall read verse 8. What are we discussing today? Excellence as a general concept required by God. Mark 14 verse 8. Very interesting statement from the lips of Jesus Christ. The woman has come to anoint his feet before his death. The disciples criticized her. Judas said it might have been sold, the ointment and the money given to the poor, which really he wanted the money for himself. Here is how Jesus characterized what the woman did. Mark 14 verse 8, what does that first line say? What does Jesus say nice and loud if you have the King James? What does it say? She hath done what? Ah. Let me ask you a very tricky question. Let me ask this side. Can you do your best and still do less than someone else? Yes. Yes. Do you agree? Yes. You see, biblical excellence does not involve competition with others. Biblical excellence involves competition with yourself. In other words, God is saying, I have given you so many talents and skills. That's what I've given to Melody. That's what I've given to Peter. That's what I've given to Joseph. Now, I want Joseph to do the best he can with what I've given him, with no regard for what Peter has, because I will deal with Peter individually. Now, if you understand that, you do not compete in college against your friends. That is anti-God. That goes contrary to God. That is satanic. To measure yourself by someone else. That is not godly excellence. That is satanic. That requires the elevation of self. I must outdo him. I must outdo her. Mm -mm. God says, Randy Skeet, I give you a gift. You use it to the maximum that you can. Because I will judge you, not by what he has, but by what I has given you. I have given you. Biblical excellence does not involve competition with others. It involves competition against the capabilities God has given you. You know what is more valuable? How many of you wish you were geniuses? Can I see your hand? Can you name someone who's regarded as a genius in the past, let's say, in the 20th century? Who's regarded as a genius? Einstein. Yeah, every, Einstein. Way back before Einstein, Leonardo da Vinci. You know, genius. Let me tell you something that is more valuable than genius. Discipline. Discipline. Discipline is that capacity to do your duty regardless of what is going on around you. Years ago, Nike had a slogan, a saying. What was the saying? Just that is discipline. So you say, Mr. Discipline, it's raining. And Mr. Discipline says, what? Just do it. I don't care if it's raining. Mr. Discipline there's a flood in some of the Malaysian states, and discipline says, I don't care. There's a fellow who's on YouTube. He's an exercise bodybuilder. He has a philosophy which is very, very biblical, but he uses a lot of profane language to express it. He says, when you're in the gym, he doesn't care if your father died or is dying. 
If your wife is in the process of divorcing you, your children are in prison, your house is burning, he says, I don't care. All I care is it's your set at that machine. Go to the bench press. It's your set. I don't care where your wife is, where your bank account is, who's killing your children, who is stealing your car. It's your set. God says to you, my son, my daughter, I give you capacities, capabilities. I give you strengths now. I don't care what the circumstance is. I want you to do your best. Listen to Ellen White. God's Amazing Grace, page 271, paragraph 2. I'll let you write that down. God's Amazing Grace, page 271, paragraph 2. The quotation says, God requires that his servants excel others in life and character. Let me say it again. God expects or requires his servants to excel others in life and character. Now you may say that's competition. It's not really competition. What God is saying, if you are connected to me and they are not, if you have divine assistance and they do not, who should be at a higher level of excellence? The one connected to God. So God is not promoting competition. He is saying it makes sense for someone to expect a believer to excel because the believer is associated with divine power. Excellence is a very serious concept. God requires it and he will not back away from that requirement. There is nothing in God that tolerates mediocrity. Nothing. If ye love them which love you, what do ye more than others? Or what reward have ye? And if ye salute them that salute you, what do ye more than others? I need you, says Christ, to function at a level just like God. And that is, you do the best in your sphere as God is the best in his. You know, Micah says in Micah 7, 18, Who is a God like unto thee? Hmm? There is no other. There is no other God like God because our God is so excellent. And if we were faithful to God, the world would be saying, there is no other people like whom? Come on, don't break my heart. Like whom? Like whom? Seventh-day Adventists. Excellent in family life. Excellent in business. Excellent in in education, excellent in health, excellent in worship, excellent in social structure, excellent in every expression of human life. The world should be saying, who are these people? The children score at the top of all the subjects and yet they spend so much time in the Bible and in missionary work. How is that possible? Because they realize excellence is divinely required by God. It is an expression of godly behavior. And if you turn that coin to the opposite side, mediocrity is satanic behavior. And so as you sit where you sit, God has a moral, let me say it differently, excellence is a moral requirement. Let me ask you a question. How many of you are immoral? May I see your hand? How many of you are immoral? Raise your hand. Okay, how many of you have ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Just a little small microscopic mosquito of a lie. Just raise your hand. Okay, no problem. Okay, hands down. How many of you have ever broken the Sabbath at least once? All right, hands down. How many of you are immoral? 
Now, when you think of immorality, what do you think of? Come on. Fornication, adultery, lesbianism, uh, all the other isms. Mm -hmm. That is immorality. Let me tell you something. The Ten Commandments are a moral law. Are you with me? From one to ten, Sabbath breaking is immorality as much as adultery. And mediocrity in our work is immorality. Anything God requires of us in our conduct is a moral, has a moral side. Let me say it again. Excellence is a moral requirement. Slackness, mediocrity is immoral behavior. So I don't want you to associate excellence with A plus and 100 out of 100. That's fine. That's proper. But the higher level is that this is moral behavior. When I perform less than I am capable of performing, I am engaging in immoral behavior. And we serve a moral God, not an immoral God. My brothers and sisters, the reason why many of us are not further along is because we do not recognize excellence as a central facet of the Christian life. Jesus said of that woman, she hath done what she could, meaning she could do no more. Do you realize the sacrifice of Christ was the most excellent sacrifice? There was nothing else God could do. God was at his highest in excellence when he sent Christ. Could he have sent an angel, yes or no? Yes. Would that have been the height of excellence? No. That would have been a lower standard. God sent someone equal with himself. That is excellence at his highest. You serve a God that specializes in excellence. And so I go back to Micah 7. Who is a God like unto thee? Or Isaiah 40 verse 25. To whom then will ye liken me or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Is there anyone to whom you can compare me, says God? And the answer is no. Let me tell you something. If we embrace this concept of excellence in every area of life, the world will say the same thing about us. Listen to these words from Ellen White. Early writings, page 227, paragraph 1. I saw, now when you read Ellen White's writings, and you see, I saw, sit up. Or I was shown, sit up. Or I was instructed. She said, I saw that if the church had always retained her peculiar holy character, the power of the Holy Spirit, which was committed to the disciples, would still be with her. She goes on to say, the sick would be healed, demons would be cast out, the sick would be healed, and she would be mighty and a terror to her enemies. When the Israelites were coming out of the wilderness in the days of Rahab the, the harlot, in what city did Rahab live quickly? Jericho. Remember the spies came to her house and she hid them? She said to them just before they went to bed, we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea for you when you came up out of Egypt. And what he did to the two kings that were on the other side, Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom he utterly destroyed. She said, we have heard. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. <laughs> she had heard of the remarkable achievements of the Israelites. Why? They were led by God. They were being led by Joshua. And under Joshua, they were more faithful than under Moses. <laughs> and she said, we are trembling. Because we are facing a people we cannot handle now. What am I saying? If we were faithful to God as we should, excellent in everything, the world would be afraid of us. Do not get in the way of Adventists. They serve a God that will blot you off the face of the earth. 
If we wanted to build a church, the town council would say yes. You want to expand your school? Yes. Why? Because we are faithful to God. But in what condition do we find ourselves today? Nobody knows who Adventists are. In the United States, I think only about 50% of people have heard of Adventists. But everyone has heard of Al-Qaeda. They are more excellent in what they do than what we've been called to do. Let me pause. I want you to respond to me. When you answer, speak loudly. You're being taped. I'll just reply, uh, re uh, repeat what you say. Someone on this side. What have you heard so far this morning? Someone on this side. Quickly, don't make us wait. Time is flying. And if you're too slow, I'm going to this side. All right, this side. What have you heard? Someone tell me. What have I said? Do everything with your might. So I said that God said that. And where is that found? Don't look, sister, no cheating. Where is it found? Ecclesiastes 9, verse 10. God bless you. Someone else, what have you heard? Yes, there's something more precious than genius, and that is discipline. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you, if you are disciplined in school, you will succeed. You're disciplined in your work, you'll succeed. You're disciplined in Bible study, you'll be a Bible scholar without having to go to the seminary. Discipline. Discipline in your exercise program, you'll be fit. Discipline in raising your children, you'll raise them for the glory of God. Discipline. We are some of the most ill-disciplined and undisciplined people on the face of the earth. Discipline. What have you heard? Somebody else. On. We haven't got all day. Excellence is a moral requirement. And God is a moral God. And we were made in the image of a moral God. Of whom it is said. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold it was very good. You and I. Every Friday that comes by before we keep the Sabbath. We should look back on a week of work and say. And Peter and Joseph. And Melody saw everything that they had made. And behold, finish the words. Very good. Then you can rest and keep the Sabbath. A person who is mediocre cannot keep the Sabbath. You can physically rest. You can't keep the Sabbath. To keep the Sabbath, you must be like God. Your work during the week must be described as your best. That prepares you. To rest because you realize only God could have done more. Excellence in what you do. That gives you peace of mind. I have studied as hard as I could. Now I take the exam with peace of mind. God expects more of us than he does of the unbeliever. Why? Because we are connected to the source of all power. That is God. It just makes sense. Remember the story of the three Hebrew boys in Babylon? After three years of study, what does the Bible say of them? Nebuchadnezzar found them what? Ten, and I'm getting to that when I talk about educational excellence. Ten times better. Now that part of Daniel is not symbolic. You see, Daniel has historical and prophetic. That part is not, histori is not prophetic. It's not symbolic. It is literal. Nebuchadnezzar found them ten times better. Why? Verse 17, because gave the, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. Why? As a reward for their efforts. My young brothers and sisters, excellence is a moral requirement. Excellence can also be a habit. The same way always being late for church and work is a habit. You can make excellence a habit. Let me say another thing about excellence. It is not something you do first. Let me say that again. Excellence is not first something you do. If a bird never flies, is it still a bird? Yes or no? Yes. If a crocodile never snatched someone in its jaws, is it still a crocodile? Yes. If a scorpion never stung anyone, 
Is it still a, a scorpion? Yes. Now, what am I saying? Excellence is not first what you do. Excellence is... Now, I want some excellent person to read my mind and finish my thoughts. Listen to me. Excellence is not first what you do. Excellence first is... Ah, who said that? Ah, God bless you, nice young man. Handsome fellow, looks like me. Yes, excellence is not what you do. Excellence is who you are. Mm -hmm. So whenever you've got something to do, automatically you do it well. You know, there's a, there's a custom in the United States, I don't know if it's in Malaysia, we tip for everything. You get into a cab, you tip. You go to the restaurant, you tip. Someone brings you something, you give a tip. It is so built into the system that some people base the quality of their work based on the size of the tip. Are you following me? If you tip big, if I get a little tip, then I put something in your food that makes you lose your mind. Not the Christian. The Christian's quality of work has nothing to do with the tip. It has to do with his character or her character. I say again, excellence is not first what you do. Excellence is who you are. And so if someone said to you, vacuum this room, what is your natural automatic desire? To vacuum it so well that someone following you could not find a speck of dust. To vacuum so well, who alone could vacuum better? God. Let me tell you a story and I close this session. In African American history, there's a fellow called Booker T. Washington, a well-known figure in African American history. He was a slave, but he desired to go to school very badly. He wanted to learn to read and write and advance himself. And so he... Uh, I don't recall if he got away, if escaped or he was freed or whatever it was. Anyway, he left his home in the south and journeyed hundreds of miles to a school called the Hampton Institute. Uh, in Virginia, Virginia, I think it is. It took him weeks. He would steal rides on trains, sleep on the sidewalk, eat from garbage cans. And when he finally got to the school, he was in rags, barefooted, and he saw the school, and he went up to the window, and he looked in. And he looked at the students, nicely dressed, all white students there, the white teacher, a lady. And his heart yearned to be in that school to learn. And the lady saw him, the teacher, and she came to the window. In those days of slavery, you know, black people were treated like, what do you want? He said, I want to go to school. She looked at him. She just looked at him. This is an escaped slave. And remarkably, she said to him, come with me. She took him to a room, a classroom, and she said, clean this room. And then she left and went back to teach the student. When he was done, he came and told her he was done. She took a handkerchief, a white one, and went to the classroom. And she uh, did that. No dust. She went under another desk and she... No dust. She... No dust. Wherever she went, finish it. No dust. That's a good sermon title, No Dust. <laughs> she called him. And she admitted him to school on the spot. You know why? She said, if that's the way he cleans a room, how well will he do in his classroom? That was a statement of his character. A slave cleaning a classroom and the excellence of his work. And he became one of the leading figures. He fraternized with presidents in his uh, adult years. He counseled presidents. He set up a school, a well-known figure. How did he begin? An escaped slave who was asked to clean 
a room. And he cleaned it with such excellence, he was admitted to school and became a towering historical figure. My brothers, my sisters, excellence is a requirement that God has placed on you. Excellence is not first what you do. Excellence is what? Who you are. Excellence is a moral requirement. And God expects those connected to him to excel others in life and in character. God's amazing grace, page 271, paragraph 2. In our Bible verse, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it how? With thy might. Why? For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. And so the Bible gives the philosophy, you have one chance to do well. Do it. Let me tell you from my heart as your older brother, excellence is spiritual behavior. I also said, excellence does not mean competing with others. It means doing the best based on what God has given to you. That's why he said of that woman in Mark 14 verse 8, she hath done what she could. Now someone else may be able to do more, but the fact you can do more does not mean God is more impressed. God just wants to know, is that more connected to the abilities I have given you? Let me pause. Any questions? Any questions? And we take a break, because I have to come right back and do session two. And this time, it'll be excellence in education, and I know you love that. Any questions? There must be questions, you see, when you think questions are generated. Any questions? You see, when you don't have questions, it means one of two things, that you understood nothing, or it was so clear there's no need for questions, and only God can make something that clear. I can. Are there any questions? Let me thank you for not getting up and walking out. God bless you for cooperating. I say that from my heart. God bless you. Any questions? All right. Yes, my good brother. How do we know if our excellence is on par with God's excellence? Did you hear that question? How do we know if our excellence is on par with God's? That's a very good question. I don't have specifics for you. All I can say to you, Mike, what's your name? Glenn. It's not a Bible name, but it's a good name. Brother Glenn, you must know in your heart that you, only you and God can know, I have done the very best I can. Have I exhausted all possibilities? Have I exerted myself to the limit? You alone can know that. And God has a way, Brother Glenn, of speaking to the heart through the convicting work of his spirit to let you know you're falling short or you're coming up to the mark. And so while I have no specifics, all I can say is God will let you know that you have done your best in the task he has assigned you. There's never an occasion. You know, this morning, Pastor Ramden said, the best time to follow Christ is always now. With God, doing things excellent is always required. Or there are no exceptions. None. Any other questions? Yes. What's your name, my good brother? Joseph. We have Joseph. We have Joseph. All right. Yes, Joseph, what's your question? Does imitation lead to excellence? It depends on whom you imitate. Now, Paul told the believers, you know, follow him as he followed Jesus. Yes, there is some uh, place for imitation because an image imitates the original. So when you're made in God's image, you are to imitate God. You are to imitate Christ. But that imitation is internal, it is organic, it is cellular. Am I using difficult words, my good translator? It comes from the very bottom. Are you following me? It's not a surface imitation, it comes from your soul. And that imitation... Now there are people called... Uh, there are some people who can stand up and imitate other people. They can talk like Barack Obama. And you think you're listening to Barack Obama. Or they can talk like, I don't know, somebody else. That's not what biblical imitation is. Imitation is not just do it like, it is almost become. 
so that you and Christ become one. That's the ultimate imitation. Imitation that's biblical requires a fusion of two people. You and Christ become one. So that Paul can say, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. What are the next few words? But Christ, that's the highest form of imitation. Any other questions? All right. Let's pray. We close this session. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for setting a high standard for your people. We pray in the name of Jesus, dear God, that as a result of this presentation, your young men, young women will leave this place with the consciousness that it is morally required of us to do our best. It is an expression of divine behavior to do our best. Your word commands, requires, and demands whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might, meaning with everything we have. Please, God, help that to become a reality in our lives, I pray. Whether the task is small or big, public or private, whether we receive recognition of God or not, we must function like God. And that one way, Father, is to do our very best. We thank you, dear God, for doing your best at creation and for doing your best in salvation. Now, Father, bless us and prepare us for the next presentation, I pray. In Jesus' name, let God's people say, Amen and Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.